Well, if you don't remember anything else that I say today, I want you to remember the title of my message, and that is, Don't Let the Fire Go Out. All right? So if you don't remember anything else, just remember that. Don't let the fire go out. Hopefully we'll talk about how that might happen, but keep that in your mind. And we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 7, 1 to 3, and today we're talking about Solomon. Solomon was a king, the king after David, and uh, we're going to look at what Solomon has some great history and he has some very poor history, but we're looking at the better side of Solomon this morning and so um, and where God was really working in his life and doing amazing things. And uh, so, of course, that can happen to all of us. God, When we let God work in us, he does amazing things and when we turn from God, the result isn't great at all. And so you see in Solomon's life, when he's with God and when he's not. But today he's with God. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. That was a result of him praying. Fire came down. Can you imagine the altar? The altar's there, the sacrifices on the altar and he's finished praying and fire comes from heaven And burns up, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. It was so awesome, it was so incredible, they couldn't even step into it because of how great it was. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. When Solomon prayed, God showed up. When Solomon prayed, God showed up. The fire came down and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And it's no different for us today. When we pray, let me tell you, when we pray, God shows up. And the fire of the Holy Spirit will fall. And we will see the glorious presence of the Lord. And what was the response of these people in verse 3? When the the glorious presence of the Lord fell and the fire came, what was their reaction to that? What would your reaction be to that? I wonder. This is what they did. They fell down, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord. And I believe this is the response that God is looking from us, for from us. When we see God, when his presence comes, when we know him, our response should be humility. We should be awed by who God is and we can't help but want to kneel before him. We want to bow before him. We, you know, this is something that the church has done for years and some people just think it's a ritual to kneel in prayer and for some it is a ritual. But kneeling in prayer is a really important thing. It's, it's a sign of humility. It's a sign that we are in awe of who God is. We cannot help but go to our knees and pray. We cannot help but bow our heads, not because we're told to bow our heads, but because we're in awe of who God is. We we humble ourselves before him because he is so great. He is an awesome God and our response to him should not be, oh yeah, that's great, God. It's not that. Our response should be incredible, thinking in awe of who God is and we should humble ourselves and then out of that should flow worship. 
that should be a natural flow on from that. We should want to worship God and praise him. Solomon wanted God's presence. He'd built this temple that God had, had told him to build and he had wanted to build and God provided everything for it. And the temple was now built and he wanted God's presence in it. He just didn't want a building, he wanted God there. And so he prayed. And the prayer that he prayed just before um, is in the chapter before, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I want to read it to you from verses 18 to 21. But will God, this is, he's understanding the greatness of God, will God really live on earth among people? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, God, listen to my prayer and my plea. O Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you. May you watch over this temple day and night. This place where you have said you would put your name. May you always hear the prayers I make towards this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and from your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live and when you hear, forgive. You see, Solomon never built this temple with the intention of it being a place to come and, you know, have tours through. A place, you know, we, we visit some of these famous cathedrals and churches around the world and, and what people do is have tours through them. Like it's just a building to be in awe of. This place was not never built for that purpose. His intention in building this place was not for it to be a hangout for the people of Israel or a place to go to have some good times together. This place that he built was for the glory of the Lord. He wanted the presence of God in that place. And that's why this prayer, he's saying, God, could you, I know you can hardly be contained in heaven, but could you come into this place? Could you dwell in this place? Could your living presence come? And when it did come, that's why it was so overwhelming because God is so great. We, we must not confine him to our human thinking because he's beyond it. He's beyond what we can imagine. That's why that prayer this morning, it's, he's going to do above and beyond because we can't, we can't conceive God fully. And that's why when we, need, when we do experience him, we need to respond to him with humility and worship. Now, this place was built as a place to pray, as a place to, to receive the glory of the presence of God and to worship and praise him for all time. And that should be the goal of our church. Our goal should be that whatever we do, wherever we are, it's not about the building or it's not about the place. It's about him. It's about him coming. It's about him being here. And I say often, if he's not here, we may as well go home or we can go down to the local club because it's no different. If God's not here, it's just a club. It's no more than that. And so we need to get on our knees and we need to want more than ever that the power of the presence of God falls in this place. But you know, just because Solomon requested the presence of God, it wasn't a guarantee that he would come. God didn't just come because of the amazing temple that Solomon had built. He came because he saw the intent of his heart. He saw that Solomon wanted God's presence. His desire was for the living presence of God to be there. 
Remember there's that verse in the, I don't know if you've heard it, there's a verse that says, God doesn't look on the outward appearance, he looks on the heart. God looks at our motives, our intentions. What are, what are our intentions in being here? Is it because it's a good thing to do? Is it that we tick a box? Is it because our heart desires to meet with the living God? What is your intention in coming? Is it a place to hang out? That's not, a, that's not bad, but you're going to miss the most important thing. You're going to miss the whole purpose if it's just about hanging out. And God's not going to be here because of anything we can create or that we can do. God will bless us with his presence when we remain a community centred on Christ. That's the vision of this church from the day we were built, that we would never be in the centre, that it was nothing about us. The vision was always, if you think about centred, it would be like the whole church standing around, no one more important than anybody else. No one's out in front or up above. We are standing around the cross in the centre. Christ, him alone. He is the one we want to see come. He is the one we want to lift up. We don't want anything of ourselves. All we want to do is to come and worship him. And the Lord heard the prayers of Solomon. And God will hear our prayers too. When we're, when we're here with the right heart and the right motive, he'll reveal his presence in a powerful way. Just this week, we were praying on Monday morning at quarter to seven and there was about 10 of us at the church house and, and David said, look, could we add Tina to the prayer list? Uh, Tina had lost some vision in her eye. And um, so we can add, you know, that's, that's what we do. We, we pray for people who are sick and we pray for healing. And this, I saw God work in a way that was so powerful and uh, as soon as David said that, Jeff said to David, David, she needs to, she needs to get to see about that straight away. And he said, yeah, she's going to, the doctor doesn't open until nine, she's going to go to work and then ring the, no, no. Jeff had this, pre, this, this real uh, pressure from God to say, no, do something about it now. Do something about it. And he kept on about that. And when David left, he went and spoke to him outside. I went out and rang Tina because I felt this, God was saying, do something now. And it was so clear that it was God. It wasn't us. It wasn't anything. God was there directing all of this. And on the way, then David went home um, and Jeff said, don't, get, don't let Tina drive. And so David went home and they went to, um, they were going to go to the doctors, but then Jeff had this word from the Lord, no, don't go to the doctors, go to the optometrist. Now, the story goes on that, um, so they took, they took, David took Tina to the optometrist and the optometrist said, look, I think that you need to go and see an ophthalmologist. And uh, look, he just happens to be, happens, inverted commas, happens to be um, up at Maitland Hospital this morning. I'll ring. She, you know, to get into a, a, a specialist can take weeks. Within you know, a very short time for Tina, to, driving to Maitland, Tina's seeing the ophthalmologist. And the ophthalmologist said, you're going to have to have surgery today. And what had happened is that part of the retina in the eye had become detached. And it was, I can't even describe the, it's nanomilli something or other, that it was attached to, in other words, any moment it could detach and then she would be blind. 
Think about God at work. That's the presence of God. And then she, you know, he had a big long surgery list that day. And the next thing, she just thought she'd have to wait. And the next thing, first in, first to surgery, operation done so that God could heal that. You see, when we pray, God shows up. God's presence is powerful. We must never, ever think that it's about us or anything we can do. It's all about God. It was nothing about us that day. It was about God speaking and us responding to the Spirit of God and being obedient so that he could do his work. Many people talk about the heroes of the faith, and we've been hearing about them in these last weeks. We've heard about Moses with the burning bush. We've heard about Moses at Mount Sinai. We've heard about Elijah and, and you know, when the fire came down and proved his power at Mount Carmel. God was with King David. He's with all these men. It was incredible. And we say, we want that. Well, you know, we've got more than that. We just don't have God with us. We have God in us. That's the difference. That's phenomenal. And we need to be in awe of who he is. So you might say, well, Pam, then if we've got more than they've got, why aren't we seeing what they saw? Why don't we see the glory of the Lord like that? Well, are you expecting it? Beck talked this morning about expectation. Are you expecting that God might just come down this morning with fire and burn this whole thing up? We're probably not expecting it. Are we expecting to see the glorious living God? What are we expecting? Some people say, well, actually, you know, I think God's changed now in this current time to what he was in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Well, Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. So that's not... That, that argument doesn't stand up. He also says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what we saw Jesus do on earth, Jesus can do, do today, but it's about our attitude. Are we willing to humble ourselves and recognize that we can't do it? Or do we do as much as we can do and put all our effort as much as we can do and think, you know, we're, we're going okay until... Suddenly we don't have it anymore and then we fall on our knees. He wants us to come to him first. He hasn't changed. The question we have to ask is, have we? Are we as in love with him today as we were once? Are we as desperate for him today as we were once, if we were? If we go back to verse 2, it says, The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Now, you can say, well, we don't have a temple today, um, so where's God going to come? Well, yes, they did have a temple then, and, and of course, since this is the Old Testament, and Jesus has come since then, so, so then we have his living presence, and God talks about the temple in a different way now. He says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you realize that your body, you, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. So when this prayer that Solomon prayed for the temple to be filled, this prayer we pray today is for God to fill us, for his Holy Spirit to fill us, to bring a flame in us, to to ignite in us the fire of the Holy Spirit. I don't don't know if you've heard of a man called D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody. He was a, a, a famous American evangelist in the late 19th century. And um, in June 1871, a, 
he was preaching in his church and a great burden came upon two older ladies in the service. And uh, this burden came to pray for Reverend Moody. And so they moved to the front pew and they sat there and they began fervently praying for him. Now, he was a bit put off by this. So he said, went down to them afterwards and he said, look, what are you, what are you doing? What are you praying about? And they, they told him that they were praying for the Spirit, they, that he needed the Spirit of God to fill him. Now, Moody thought to himself, look, I, I, think, I think I'm doing okay. It's all right. But these ladies were persistent. Every Sunday they'd be down the front praying fervently for the Holy Spirit to fill Reverend Moody. And uh, till they got to the point where he decided he would meet with them and pray with them. As they prayed for him, they poured out their hearts, asking God to fill him with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And what happened as a result of that is that Moody got this deep, desperate hunger for God. And he would get on his knees and from June to October, every day, he was crying out to God, God saying, fall on me, let your powerful presence be alive in me. And God came and filled him. And as a result of him being filled with the Holy Spirit, the living presence of God, over one million people came to faith through his ministry. And you can say, well, he was pretty special. He's no different to you or me. He was just a person like you or me. He wasn't anyone special. The only difference is perhaps, maybe not, he was desperate. He was desperate for God. And as a result of his desperation, his hunger, he experienced the living presence of God. But so can we. We can too. Do you believe that? Do you want it? Verse 3, when all the people saw, the, uh, sorry, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord. I'm, re- I'm re-emphasizing this because the response God wants from us is humility and worship. That's what worship is. It's being in his presence and as we're in his presence, we can't help but want to honour him. We can't help but want to worship him. When you're worshipping God, he can be your only focus. You can't be thinking about what's going on around you. You can't be thinking about what you've got to do in that day. He has to be your focus. That's what worship is. You, you adore, you become, you adore the person, you love them, and you can't help but give them your attention. I believe that worship is listening to God listening to what he has to say. You see, worship in our gathering is not about the songs, just about the songs at the beginning. Worship is prayer. Worship is giving. Worship is hearing about the needs around the world and, and, and that causes me to want to come to my knees and saying, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I want to see people around the world. I don't want to see them hungry. I don't want to see them without without the ability to, to live. I want to see people safe. That's worship. Having the heart of God for others. Desperately and passionately seeking him. And so from the time of Moses... When the altar was there and the fire came from the time of Moses, God has said to the people, don't let the fire go out. Keep it burning. And that's what God wants for us. He's saying on the altar of our hearts, don't let the fire go out. Keep it burning. 
Now, once upon a time, the term for an old, a past girlfriend or boyfriend was an old flame. Has anyone heard that term before, an old flame? No? No? Okay. So, I was thinking about that, why they called an old flame, because once you were passionate about them, once you loved them, but it's sort of past now, so it's an old flame. God doesn't want our fire to become an old flame. He doesn't want us to be people who once passionately loved him, who once thought he was great. He wants our hearts, the fire of our hearts, to be burning brightly. Now, I think that it's important to understand that helping each other to do that is is imperative. That's why we come together. That's why God knows that we needed the church because, one, we need to come together and encourage one another and then we need to reach out to others. So there's two purposes, but he knows we need each other because it's hard to stay strong by yourself. It's easy to get tempted when you're alone, but when you're with someone else, it's much harder unless you sort of talk the other person into coming your way as well. I go back to um, Reverend Moody. He was in, when he, as part of his ministry, he was in Chicago and he was visiting one of the leading citizens. And this guy, he was uh, around at his house and it was winter and a fire was in, the fireplace was going, there were coals in the fire burning brightly. And this man was saying, look, he was objecting to Moody's um, inference that he must go to church, that it's, 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 he really should go to bit to church to worship God. He said, I can do it on my own. I don't need to go to church. And so Reverend Moody just got up and picked up the tongs of the fire and picked up one coal and put it out on its own. And it was burning brightly. But gradually, over time, it went out. It died. You see, the point is here that when we try and do it by ourselves, it's hard. And we can grow cold very quickly, and it's hard to keep that flame alight. But God said to the people, each priest, sorry, each morning, He said to the to the Israelites, each morning the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. Now you could think, okay, that was a priestly duty. I don't have to do that. Well, actually, we're not off the hook at all because in one Peter two nine it says, "You are not like that. You are a chosen people." You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You see, if our fire fire stays alight, it impacts others. Let me, as we're coming to a conclusion, let me tell you about this story in Newfoundland. Uh, There was a, it was a fishing village and all the men used to go out of an, of an evening, of, sorry, of a day, and they would go out in their fishing boats out to fish so they could bring back what was needed for the, um, you know, the families for food. And so they went out this afternoon and uh, they were out fishing and, and a terrible storm came up. It was one of the most violent storms. And, uh, and as a result of that, they didn't, the, the women were back there and the fleet didn't come back as it should. And so that the women got together and their families who were there and they started praying, saying, God, protect the, the men, protect the boats. We know that they're out there, but bring them home safely. Now, unfortunately, while all of this was happening, one of the ladies had 
an, there was an accident in her home and her house caught on fire and because there were no no like there were just women there and they couldn't try they couldn't put the fire out they had no one there to help them they um the fire burnt the house burnt to the ground so not only did they think she she thought she'd lost her husband but also her home and so they were they were very sad as they as she you know that morning as they sort of went to sort of that evening as they were praying, then, then they heard of this and they were really struggling. And then as they went out in the early morning hours, they could see the boats coming into the harbour after the storm had subsided. And of course, they were rejoicing and thanking God for answering their prayers that, that he had brought home the, uh, the, fan, the men and the fishing boats were safe. But one, the lady um, whose house had burnt down went to her husband and said, look, I'm so glad you're safe, but I've got sad news. Our house burnt down last night. And he looked around and he said, no, we thank God for that. He said, if our, if our house hadn't burnt down, we wouldn't have known where the harbour was. Where the, where the, sorry, where, yeah, where the harbour was to come home. We would have been lost at sea. We would have all drowned. But the fire brought us home. And it's the same for us. We live in a world where people are desperately looking for answers. And it's the fire that will bring them home, the fire of God, his presence. We can't let it go out. We need to add fuel to the fire. We need the word of God. We need prayer. We need fellowship. We need each other so that the fire can keep burning. We need to worship God because in his presence... We receive his, his, his power. We, re- we get a glimpse, an understanding of who he is. If we put rubbish on the, our altar, on the, uh, the altar of our lives, then the fire is going to give us no heat. It'll go out very quickly. We need to maintain an intimate relationship with God through Jesus, through prayer and reading his word, living out his promises every day, so that the fire of the Holy Spirit burns deeply within us and his glorious presence is within us. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to worship God. We're going to focus on him. He is great. This morning I invite you, you may want to kneel, you may not want to stand, you may want to do whatever you want to do to come to the presence of God. Don't let this be a moment, not for it, just for this moment. Forget everyone else and everything else and cry out to God for his presence to fall in your life, for the fire of the Holy Spirit to bring the altar of your life alive so that he can burn brightly within you. He can live in you. He can empower you. He hears your prayers. He wants to answer them. Let's be people who receive him. Let's not be people who try and do it by ourselves. Let's not be people who treat God lightly, who do not honour Him for who He truly is. Let's be people who worship Him from our hearts. Living flames within, hearts that are passionate, hearts that love Him. And if this morning you're here and you're thinking, you know, I did, He is an old flame for me. Yeah, I once knew him, but actually I've grown cold. Then seek him. All it is is crying out to God and immediately he answers. He is here.